champ is here. You know when you hear that beat, the champ is here, it is time to listen in to the Commish Radio Show. Now, you're probably wondering, as many people have wondered all across the world, loved by many, hated by a few, respected by all, we're second, second, second to none. And we're, we're going to prove that because we are expecting a phone call from Germany today. Germany today, uh, in which we will be uh, talking to Tulasama. Now, Tulasama is a Swahili word meaning to read. And, that, you know, to prove that point, Tulasama, the book fair, will be at the African American Museum this Saturday. Not today. Next Saturday. Let's try that. Next Saturday. Because this Saturday obviously means today. So, let's move it forward to next Saturday. So, uh, you know, we got a lot of great people that will be coming out to see uh, and to see, and also to have their works read as well. But we are going to be expecting today a phone call from Claudia Clark, who wrote this excellent book called Dear Barack. It is about Barack Obama, the last president of the United States that wasn't impeached. There we go. That's it. That's it. The la- you like that one, huh? Yeah, I didn't throw no shade. I just told the truth. Gabe's like, he, he's always like, man, how did this guy come up with this stuff? You know, but speaking of the last president that was impeached, correction. There I go again. The last president that was impeached twice. Now, just want to be correct. I don't want nobody fact-checking me. But, you know, I want to know why this president, or shall I say that president, just don't comply. I mean, that's what they always tell black people. Why don't he just comply? Why don't he just comply? Gabe wanted to know that too. So he put together this, uh, you know, this clip. Gabe, why doesn't he comply? I don't know. Let's, let's put the clip up. Former President Trump's Florida mansion turned up top secret government documents. They were released by a federal judge after Mr. Trump opted out of any legal action to block the records from being made public. And so just a few days after the raid, tonight we know what federal prosecutors and the FBI wanted and what they found. How do you feel, Mr. Trump? In a week filled with stunning legal setbacks for ex-President Trump, tonight comes the most significant and specific. This search warrant that was authorized by a federal judge who determined that there was evidence of crimes inside Mr. Trump's Palm Beach, Florida manor known as Mar-a-Lago. When FBI agents executed the search warrant on Monday, they retrieved box loads of sensitive material. What they found and removed listed in this second document released today, an inventory of items that were found and taken by federal authorities. This warrant tells us the what's. It tells us what documents were searched for. It tells us what criminal statutes are uh, potentially being considered and are the focus of the investigation. But it doesn't tell us the why. Why were the documents located there? Why were they removed from the White House? Why haven't they been returned to government officials? We won't know those answers from this document. Classified materials must be prepared for transmission or transportation. Concerns about classified document security, especially at the highest levels of government, are so intense that training videos such as this are aimed at instructing employees on how to package and transport sensitive records. So that no one can see the material inside. 
According to the records, agents found top-secret government documents inside Mr. Trump's home spanning several classified levels, including the highest level of classified records that very few inside government have access to and only in extremely secured confines. The investigation zeroing in on three separate possible violations of federal law, obstruction of justice, concealment, and whether Mr. Trump broke the U.S. Espionage Act by having top-secret defense records at his house while out of office. Is it possible at the end of the day the government just wanted its documents back? Well, it's po- it's certainly true the government wants its documents back, but it's also the case that to get this search warrant, they had to establish that crimes had likely been committed. The top secret search at Mar-a-Lago was unprecedented and unnecessary, according to a Trump spokesperson. Tonight, former President Trump himself claiming he would have turned over the records if requested and says the documents seized by federal agents had all been declassified. Hey, if you like that video, be sure to subscribe. All right. It seemed like Trump was just caught red-handed again caught red-handed again you know you know what he did i understand what he did okay what he did was just very simple it's just you know when you leave a job you normally take things that you know they should have you know your employer you you know tell them you know they tell you say give us everything back that you have that belongs to the company now most people take things such as Ink pens. Oops. Put that <clears throat> Most people take things such as ink pens, paper, things of that nature. They don't espionage. What's that word again? Yes, man. Wow. Can't even say it. Because most people don't do it. They don't do it, folks. It's the weirdest thing. That's like being a spy. So what they're doing is they're accusing the ex-president of the United States of being a spy, of having classified information that he shouldn't have. You know, that's like having records of your employer, stuff that you shouldn't have. You're supposed to give all that stuff back, or in this particular case, you leave it at the White House. Now, this is what happened, folks. This is what happened, straight up. What happened was this. Trump decided to take some things home with him. Now, he didn't decide to take a book or, you know, ink pens or, you know, things like that, you know, or put everything he had on a flash drive. He didn't do none of that kind of stuff. He took 31 boxes. They showed the FBI going through the house, the office space, because it just wasn't his house. He has office space there in Mar-a-Lago because they consider this the Western White House. So it's like the White House. So they came and they got, well, they got 15 boxes, if I'm not mistaken, the last time. But this time they received 11 more boxes. Like, wow, what's going on? What is really going on with this? What did he take? Why did he take it? Why does he want to keep them? You know, like things about the codes to nuclear weapons and that kind of thing. What is that really about? And then the president, oh, I'm sorry, because we only have one president. That's called Joe Biden. You know, that's the same one who's on a record this now. Inflation's gone down a little bit. Gasoline. Everybody was complaining about gasoline being $4 a gallon. 
not four dollars a gallon now. You know, so we blamed him when gasoline was that high, even though he don't run any of the gas stations, but we blamed him about that kind of thing. But now what we have is a situation now in which that president, 45, has now, they're investigating him. They're investigating him, and they're investigating him because they say he has records that he shouldn't have. The bad part about it, folks, is that I want you guys to share this because this breaks it down. I know some of y'all don't look at the news all the time, but I'm going to break this stuff down. Homeboy to homeboy style. Man to man. That kind of deal. So the bad thing about this is they asked him real nicely because, you know, he's like, you know, former president. They said, Mr. President, we'd like to have some of these records back and we know you have them. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, you have the records. We know you have the records. Well, you need to come down here and check it out. Then he told them which room he had them in. Yeah, he told them. He said, I got them in that room. I got some records in that room. I got some records in that room. So I thought you didn't have no records. I didn't know which records she was talking about. You know how when you get busted when somebody come over your house and, and you, you know, you say, ain't that my weed eater? And you go, oh, no, no, no. I got that weed eater last year when Ray Ray gave it to me. Ray Ray? Who the hell's Ray Ray? That's my weed eater. It got my initials on it. Richard Roundtree. Oh, those Ray Ray's initials. Ray, R, R, Ray Ray. No, that's my weed eater, man. It's, oh, yeah, you got me, you got me. That is your weed eater. That's what happened when, when they came by the last time. So they said, well, I'll tell you what. We're going to be nice about this whole thing. What we're going to do is we're going to tell you to go ahead and give us the records back. So they cataloged the records. And then that's when they decided we need to do a search warrant on this. Now, everyone's talking about this is raid. I got it, I got it. It sounds so good. There's a raid. I, if you follow me on Twitter, Gray 1906 and follow me on IG, I've been blowing this up. I really have been. But, you know, that music raid, the music by, oh, you checked it out, Gabe? Yeah, Gabe's old soul, so he knows that. It's by Lakeside. I played that, put that track on there. So when they did the search warrant for Donald Trump, he wasn't at home. It wasn't like they did a search warrant for him like the way they normally do search warrants, like with Breonna Taylor early in the morning and everything, waking people up with guns drawn. They didn't do that. They waited for Trump to leave because he had a court appearance somewhere else. You didn't know that, did you? The court appearance that he had in New York City where he pleaded 400 times saying, I plead the fifth on grounds that may incriminate me 400 times. Let's count. One, two, three, four. You're getting the message, right? If you did that count 400 times, we would still be here and the show would be going off the air. That's how many times he pleaded the fifth. So he was there in New York City to plead the fifth when at the same time, unbeknownst to Donald Trump. I thought I heard the door. Why? I don't know why the FBI, they don't ring doorbells. Because they know you got ring. That's the reason why they don't do that. So they just knock on the door and you, who, who, who is it? 
and do the FBI. We're here for the rest of the records. What 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 records think you need to be over there? We'll find them. And they went through Mar a Lago and found eleven other boxes. Hey, that's what it is. So now we'll figure out what's in those boxes when we come back. But meanwhile, we got the Tulasama drop. And the Tulasama drop is, uh, you know, why we read. We're going to play that and we're going to play uh, some music for you for a second. Uh, and, uh, hey, when we come back, and uh, we'll talk some more about Donald Trump and what you can do. Yes, you can do as well. All right. Do you love reading books? Then make sure you come out to the 17th Annual Tulasoma South Dallas Book Fair on August 20th from noon to 4 p.m. at the African American Museum located at 3536 Grand Avenue in Dallas. This is a free event with author presentations, open mic poetry, performances, book signings, kids' activities, and more. For more information, please visit TulasomaBookFair.org or call 214-565-9026. Who was that masked man? You mean you don't know? I was no masked man. That was the commission. Saturdays from 5 to 6 p.m. on the Fishbowl Radio Network. Hey, you know, whenever I want good Cajun food, I go to Thibodeau's, located at 107 North Cedar Ridge in Duncanville, Texas. They're really hot, just like the Commish Radio Show in Thibodeau's. Hot as this gumbo. We will see you later at Thibodeau's. Commission Radio Show back again, and that is Say You Love Me by Kenya Crawford. And if you uh, go on YouTube and look up Kenya Crawford, uh, you will see that there's a video on there, and I'm in the video. Yeah, I gave you no idea videos, man. It's just something. You know, but one of the things I do is uh, Swahili word, Tulasama, which means we read. And as you know, we play that Tulasama dropped just a minute ago, uh, so we'll play it uh, for the interest of time. We'll play that later, but we are uh, very honored to have Miss Claudia Clark. Uh, she is joining us from Germany right now, and uh, can you pull it up where I can see it? Okay, she can see you on the screen. All right, so I'm getting this delayed feed right now, but uh, Claudia, how you doing today? Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. I am a big fan of yours. I just want to let you know that. Uh, Thank I'm, you. I am so uh, honored to have you here as a fellow historian. I will. I, I'm. A, 
I, I was going to send you a, a email to say I want you to come back, but I, I said I, that's improper because you haven't been on yet. So, <laughs> so that I was, appreciate it. That would sound like I ain't even been on yet, and 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 what's really going on here? I'm excited about your book, uh, dear Barack. Uh, I am very excited about that. I'm a big historian, such as uh, like you are, as well. Uh, and so I I, I uh, studied women's history at Southern Methodist University, and uh, I want want you to talk about yourself, and then we because uh, this book here is great because it has a lot of the intersectionality yeah. of uh, uh, women's history, uh, women's rights. Uh, uh, African American rights, a Democratic uh, Party as well, and tell us about yourself. Well, I am a um, fourth generation political activist. Uh, my great grandmother marched for women's uh, women's suffrage. My grandfather was a union steward. Um, my mom fought for women's reproductive rights and um, wage equality. And so I just kind of fell in line that I was going to be a political activist. And I've done everything um, from working on school board issues to women's rights to uh, gender equality to racial equality. Um, so I'm, I'm first and foremost a political activist and I do, I did study history and I had hoped to get a PhD in, in history but I didn't, unfortunately I don't I don't take standardized tests well so I didn't do well in the GRE which is just as well because I really I realized later that my interest in history was really in the activism field. So the 1960s was with the civil rights, uh, the women's movement. That was really more of, of what my interests lay. And I am an expat. I've been living in Germany since 2017. And I needed, I don't speak, even though I, I live in Germany, I don't speak German very well. And so this book was something that I thought would be important. I could do uh, while I was learning German and it, my inability to speak the language didn't interfere with this book and I was interested in writing it because I was concerned about the rhetoric that was happening not just with Trump but with Brexit and across the, the world on trying to do away with NATO and you know the, the problems of um, the populism that was going around the world trying to you know world leaders were trying to, um, at the expense of um, keeping their, their borders secure, isolate themselves. And whether we like it or not, we live in a globalized world, and it's just, it's frightening um, what w the rhetoric that world leaders were speaking, and we need to rely more than ever on our counterparts. And, and I think this book tells a very, very important lesson on how important that is, that we can rely on our, on our um, allies. Hey, that's great. You know, we have a lot in common. Obviously, I love for history and uh, your activism. I've been involved in politics since the 1970s and uh, also union activism as well. I was a chief steward in my union. And you are a, a, a Democrat abroad. Well, tell me about that, and then we'll get to the book. What, what yeah, I, 
I haven't done much of that in, in, in the last couple of years, but basically uh, Democrats Abroad is it's an organization that we have, um, what our goal is, many people don't realize this, but as a U.S. citizen, whether you live in the United States or not, you are eligible to vote in any in, in at least any federal election, the state and local, it depends upon which state you state you live in. Uh, each state has different rules. But what Democrats Abroad does is we we go out into the communities, whether it's in Canada or in Japan or in Germany or in Costa Rica, and we let the, the Americans living abroad know that as a as a U.S. citizen, you are eligible to vote, and we help um, expats with the resources and how they can actually vote from wherever they happen to be. Okay, that's good, that's good. So you are ready to vote uh, in November? I certainly am. Okay, we need your vote, we need your vote. Yeah. We gotta keep democracy alive. We Absolutely, alive. I voted in every single election since I was 18 years old, and I don't plan on stopping now. All right, okay. Dear Barack, let's talk about Dear Barack. Lieber Barack, right? How, is, it, how, how, is that fairly close? Yeah, that is that is absolutely correct. Ah, see, told you, I got I got my German in there. I told <laughs> you, I got it in. So you know, so obviously, you know, I've been reading the book. You know, if I'm quoting it and putting it in German and everything, <laughs> why the title, Dear Barack? The title, Dear Barack, uh, be, because. Um, once, see, Miracle and Obama didn't, they didn't start off on the best of terms, but they learned to, to learn to work with one another and learn to have an appreciation for one another. And, and as a, as the relationship progresses, uh, one of the ways, um, I, I talk about this is that Miracle begins to publicly address, um, Barack, um, or, Obama, President Obama, publicly as Dear Barack. In, in press conferences, she will refer to him as Dear Barack. And it is a, it's a term that caught on. The media actually even talks quite a bit about, about how Merkel referred to Obama as Dear Barack. So it just seemed kind of telling. Well, that's, you know, that's like informal. You know, in America, we like very informal. How, how is it? That that because uh, I'm not in the German culture, they are yeah, right. formal. Or, or well, uh, well, the interesting thing is, uh, and I argue this a lot in the book. Um, the German culture is is a lot more formal than than the U.S. culture. For example, the um, the German language, like a lot of languages, like Spanish and French and Italian, they have two different forms of addressing someone. Uh, in the U, the the second person uh, singular um, form, and in, in German, it's do if if you know someone well and you're on a first name basis with them, and it's it's Z if you don't know someone and very well and the Germans are pretty strict about this rumor has it I, I I don't know from my personal experience but if you get pulled over from by the police in um, in Germany you and you use do and that Z with the police officer you can get fined for not showing the proper amount of respect so they're very very strict about that over there um, and in fact when you go to a doctor's office over over here they refer to you as um, Frau which is a 
um, the German word for, for miss instead of by your first name. So it, it, it's really a lot more formal than it is in the United States. And that's one of the things that is really interesting about this book and the relationship between Obama and Miracle is that Miracle begins referring to, and, and I talk extensively about this, Miracle begins referring to Obama in, when she's talking, she always texts German, but she always has a translator with her. And she always will, when she's talking, she refer, she refers to him in the do form when she's talking. And then she also refers to him, she calls him by Barack and calls him by dear Barack. And that's one of the, the compelling arguments I use when I talk about the, the strength and of their partnership and their friendship. Now, did they start off uh, as, as dear Barack? Did she start off? Treating them like we 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 friends. Uh, you can come to the barbecue type thing. Did, did she speak to him that way? Absolutely not. Um, th that's the irony in this in this whole thing. It's from the the very beginning of their relationship in uh, 2008. President, well, I shouldn't say president at the time, but Barack Obama, he had. So planned on too. going to um, uh, Berlin to speak before he wanted to speak in front of Brandenburg Gate and uh, he was just a candidate at the time he hadn't even received the Democratic nomination at, the, at, at this point and he was everybody liked him and he was an up-and-coming rock star and everybody kind of catered to him and Miracle really uh, to put it bluntly she thought he was full of himself and she she had no use for him she thought he was all talk and, and no action and she did not his request to speak before Brandenburg Gate. In part, she didn't want Brandenburg Gate to be used as a political ploy. And so she said no. And Obama, as much as I like President Obama, he, he is just a little bit arrogant. And he didn't take kindly to someone saying no to him. And his, his kind of attitude was, well, how dare you say no to me? Don't, don't you know who I am? And Merkel's response was, I know exactly who you are, which is why I'm telling you no. And but they and, and I talk about this in the course of the book. They they go from that point to eight years later, the, when Obama made his final trip to overseas as president to Europe, following the, the 2016 election. Uh, Miracle cried when she said goodbye to Obama, and then in um, the day before Obama left office. The very final phone call he made was the Chancellor Miracle. And so the book talks about how we, we got from point A to two leaders that were really skeptical of one another to how they ended up eight years later. All the ups and downs in their relationship. Well, what do you think uh, caused the ups and downs outside of the fact that you, you stated that pre then President Obama uh, had an error about him of confidence or, or, or what? What else do you think? Well, they also had um, they had a lot of um, differences on policy issues. Uh, for example, Merkel is or she was uh, the head of the Christian Democratic Union, which in, in Germany is the center right party. So we're not completely comparing apples to apples by saying she was kind of the, the head of the Republican Party because the parties are a little different here but she was a lot more conservative than Obama and you know Obama was uh, head of the the Democratic or the South um, the center left party, so they had differences. You know, when when Obama took office, it was the height of the global recession in two thousand eight, 
2009. And so the two of them had differences of opinion and economic policies on how to get the 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 world moving again. Um, they had differences of opinion on um, on whether to engage militarily later on uh, after Putin had illegally annexed Crimea. There was controversy when it was revealed that the Obama administration was uh, had was wiretapping um, Miracle's personal cell phones. So there were there were these um, scandals, so to speak, but. Uh, that that happened while they worked together, but conversely, they also had really important high points of their relationship. You know, President Obama awarded Chancellor Merkel with the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and that's the highest honor a president, a civilian, um, can receive, and one that's rarely granted to non-U.S. citizens. So there was that component. Um, they worked together to create the, you know, they worked with other world leaders for the Paris Climate Accord, for the Iran nuclear deal. So they, they worked, they they had a lot of respect for one another dis, despite their differences on policy issues and their differences where America was kind of the person that would um, be the one that would do the arm wrestling to get deals on behind the scenes. Obama was the charismatic speaker that could, could bring a crowd to their, and so they, they learned to work with one another and they learned their their strengths and, and weaknesses um they learned to complement one another well hey you know that's a, that's a quite a bit of a change now for our viewers that are listening in and this show is in in texas and we're uh, more precise dallas dallas texas some people may not be familiar with angela merkel chancellor angela merkel could you tell us about who angela merkel is Yes, uh, she was. Uh, she was the former um, chancellor of Germany. She was the. Uh, she was raised primarily in the former uh, uh, East Germany. So, Sofia occupied East Germany. Uh, she was the the head of the Christian Democratic Union or the or the center right, and she was Germany's. She's been. She was the Chancellor of Germany from 2004 to 2021, the longest-serving uh, Chancellor of Germany. Um, she was the first for Germany in many ways. She was the first woman Chancellor ever. She was the youngest when she was elected at 54, and she was the um, the first woman from the former East Germany. So, and she uh, she had a background in, in physics before entering political life. She was a uh, she had a PhD in quantum physics. So she's a very very brilliant published researcher scientists and when she was 35 the, the Berlin Wall fell down and that opened opportunities for her to enter the political realm. And she also uh, went through something uh, similar to uh, uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton about her name as well, did she not? Um, yes and no. She, um, she her her maiden name, like her born maiden name, was Kastner. And then in um, when she was just really young, when she was 21, I think, or 22, right out of college, she married a man um, who, whose name 
is um, Mer whose um, last name is Miracle, which is what she, which is now the name she uses now, and she that marriage only lasted about four or five years and then um many years later and i think it was 1990 she married her second husband whose name is uh joaquin sour and she still continues to use miracle has been her name that she's used that that she has used um since the beginning that's great. That's a that's a brilliant uh, question. I mean, an answer too, because you broke it down. Yes and no. Yeah, right in some spot, parts. But let me go ahead and clarify that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember reading because I, I didn't. You know, I've been married for 27 years, and I didn't change my name when I got married. Um, and that's one of the things I like about America is that she she didn't change her name. But but I remember reading about Hillary Clinton that initially Clinton did not change her name, and then right. she ultimately did because she was facing a lot of public pressure and scrutiny. And and so, um, it, you know, she ultimately just decided it was easier. So so yeah, that's interesting and you're actually the first person to ask me that question ah so i got i got points for that one okay <laughs> good 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 so i know what time is it now where are you in germany where is berlin you? berlin We're i thought berlin, so yeah. berlin okay so what time it, is it in berlin now it is about three minutes to midnight three minutes to midnight okay i don't want to keep you up too long i mean you know but you know, like that's the reason why I say I want you to come back. But I want to be also conscious of the time. Uh, it's midnight in Berlin. Right? I'm a I'm a night I am a night owl. I had a um, an interview earlier this week that started at eight thirty Eastern time. So I'm it's fine. I'm it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, but you still got me feeling some kind of way though. <laughs> but I do want you to come back again. Uh, I'm like I said, I'm halfway through the book. I wanted to get all the way through it, but uh, that's the reason why I want you to come back again uh, to be on the show uh, again because I have a series of questions and and you've taken care of, of quite a bit of them already uh, when we were talking about what were the differences of a policy and everything and. You said that Angela Merkel cried. I mean, she 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 cried at the last press conference. Not she. She was at, tears and She was she was close to tears and and at the last press conference. But when uh, Air Force One and took off, um, and she said goodbye to Obama for the final time, I've read. Um, in Ben Rhodes' book, that she she actually did cry. I didn't wit I didn't you witness that. I, you know, the information I got on that component I got from Ben Rhodes Rhodes's book. But um, that's what I, I love what, the way academics do. And you you, you talk about uh, lack of having a doctor, which I don't think stops you from writing any great books like you've done because you you just absolutely footnote everything in right. here totally including well, it, youtube yeah. clips and everything so yeah well and that yeah and that was what i i wanted to make very clear from the very beginning was i knew that as an unknown author writing about two of the most powerful people in the world i was going to face challenges and so i i wanted to make sure that it was extensively researched and that it was extensively um that it was uh, that it was well written and so i so so that i couldn't give a public i 
could make it more difficult for a publisher to turn me down. And so I, I invested the energy in, um, and, and money in having editors look at it. But I, I also, what I didn't want, because I know when you're writing about political figures, you're always going to get people critics because mm -hmm. they don't like Obama, they don't like America. And I'm okay with people criticizing the book because they think I, you know, I make a big, too much of a big deal about him using, her using do, or, or, they don't like my argument. That's fine. I don't, that I don't have a problem with. But what I didn't want people what to do was to come back and criticize me because it wasn't, it was full of errors and it was not well researched. Yeah, I understand totally. I'm pursuing my PhD right now and that's the reason why I said what I said, you know, because you get one thing wrong on a footnote and it's, it's someone's going to tear you apart and peer review and everything. Exactly. Well, and we had, I also have, um, we, it, it was interesting because I, a, a good friend of mine is a tr translates, and so she translated, I've, I've got the German edition as well, and she was, uh, she was translating it for me, and she came across some errors in what Miracle's, what Miracle's official translator had, how it had been translated. And I was basing, because I, you know, my German isn't particularly good, I was, my, my quoting was based upon what I was seeing in the transcript. And my, my, um, translator said, but that's not what her translator had said. This is what her translator had said. And so it, 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 I don't want to say it devalued my my um, my argument a little, but I I had to rewrite some things to make it more to make sure that it was absolutely accurate, and 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 that was what it was challenging to have to re, re redo everything. But for for all of us on board, and luckily my publisher was on board with this too, is that having it accurate was was more important than than anything else. And that was uh, President Obama's uh, German better than President Kennedy's German? Um, I would say they were on par. Ah. <laughs> so, okay, so uh, okay, I got you. So uh, I think uh, Gabe, you got that clip. Let's play the clip. I believe he, Gabe's done some research on uh, uh, the speech that President Obama gave. Go ahead. It's um, now taking leave from my partner and friend. Well, yes, it is hard. If you've worked together with somebody very well, uh, leave-taking is very difficult. But we are all politicians. Uh, we all know that democracy lives off change. Um, so in the United States of America, the Constitution has very clear stipulations on this. It's a tough rule, um, eight years, and that's it. Out goes the president, and a new one comes in. So, if it's in the German interest to have good transatlantic relations, um, well, the task is also to look ahead. But our personal, um, uh, we have freedom of movement in the whole of Germany. So, if we want to see each other, um, well, I'm game. Um, so, we're not um, completely out of this world, as we would say. NBC. All right. So that was the last press conference he had. I, I believe, did you get the speech, Gabe, that they did as well? Because if not, we'll just roll with what we have. Okay, we just have the press conference? Okay, we're good. So what's next, uh, Ms. Clark? Well, um, 
I'm I'm right now I'm I'm working on my I've got several things going on I'm I'm working on I'm brushing up on my French and my German so that ultimately I would like to be able to work for an NGO or the EU or the UN but I've got to get my German skills up to par on that so um, I'm doing that I am working on getting a to become a certified travel or tour manager so that I can give tours be in, in Berlin um, so that, you know, um, people that come to Berlin and they want to they wanna tour of the museums and the cities and, and what the East, um, what what was East Germany, what was West Germany, I can give them tours. Uh, that's something that I would like to do on the on the side for fun because I think it's I can use my history background. Uh, and I'm also researching uh, for my next book, which I'm going to compare and contrast the lives of the Northern Irish during the, the height of the IRA in the 1970s and 80s. Many of them lived behind walls in, um, in order to remain protected from the, the violence between the Protestants and the Catholics and I want to compare their experiences to the, the Germans uh, during the that were separated by the Berlin Wall during the Cold War. Sounds good, sounds good. Now how can we follow you on social media? Uh, you can, my website is the best place which is claudiaclarkauthor.com but you can also follow me on um, Instagram which is uh, uh, claudiaclarkauthor73 um, you can follow me on Twitter which is cclarkauthor and um, you can follow me on LinkedIn as well at Claudia Clark. But my website has all has all the handles. So all right, I joined you. I, I followed you on. I will follow you on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is Ed Gray nineteen oh six, and Instagram is Ed Gray nineteen oh six. So I'll be putting putting together pictures of us together uh, on this Skype call, and also. I will be posting on Twitter the interview as well. And you, All right. You have YouTube? I'm not yet. I'm working on it. Okay. So I'll put this on YouTube as well. So we'll, we we want you to come back again. I, I, if there's anything that pops off in Germany, can I feel free to call you? Hopefully it won't be at 12 o'clock midnight as we're calling now. Yeah, anytime. I, I, I welcome it. All right. Thank you. I appreciate you very, very much. And I will uh, get back in touch with you. I'm halfway through the book. And with a good reading tonight, hey, I'll be able to call you tomorrow and say, hey, guess what? I'm done. Well, thanks so much for your enthusiasm and your support. It means a lot. Thank you. I appreciate you. Take right. care. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Good night. All right, Gabe. Back again, Commission Radio Show. We read Tula Sama. We read uh, Tula Sama, which is going to be at the African American Museum next week. Next week, see, I said I didn't say this Saturday because this Saturday, man, you've been going down there. We say, oh, I'm ready to pick up the Dibble Rock book, and boom, it's not there, and nobody's there in the parking lot. You'd be mad at me. But you know what? What you can do is go down to Tula Sama. Uh, African American Museum next week next week beginning next Friday and check us out 
But we'll be right back. But thank you for tuning in. A commission book club, Bill Barack. Hey, check it out. Claudia Clark picked the book up. We'll see you guys in a few. Take it. Do you love reading books? Then make sure you come out to the 17th Annual Tulasoma South Dallas Book Fair on August 20th from noon to 4 p.m. at the African American Museum located at 3536 Grand Avenue in Dallas. This is a free event with author presentations, open mic poetry, performances, book signings, kids' activities, and more. For more information, please visit TulasomaBookFair.org or call 214-565-9026. Hey, you know, whenever I want good Cajun food, I go to Thibodeau's, located at 107 North Cedar Ridge in Duncanville, Texas. They're really hot, just like the Commiss Radio Show in Thibodeau's. Hot is this gumbo. We will see you later at Thibodeau's. Roger Riley, and I listen to the Community Champion Hour on KHVN. that mass man you mean you don't know i was no mass man that was the commish saturdays from 5 to 6 p.m on the fishbowl radio network
Radio show loved by many, hated by few, respected by all, second to none. This is the second uh, segment of the show. If you've been catching the show, uh, we do this in segments. So we we started it off. Gabe don't know nothing about this. He's a young dude. He don't know nothing about this. Oh, happy birthday, brother! Yeah, you catching up, man? Hey, no. <laughs> you got well, you got one on me, man. You catching up? Hey, how old are you now, man? Twenty-four. Twenty-four years old. All of my children are older than you, man. <laughs> Every single one of them. Yeah. Hey, the, the, the baby yeah, the, I can't call my daughters babies, and they wouldn't like that. And I do that on the radio. Deal. The youngest is thirty, and the oldest just turned forty, man. man hey. The champ is here.
That's right, the champ is here. Loved by many, hated by few, respected by all. We're second to none, second to none. Want to send a shout out to all of those people that are listening to us on CNN. That's the Commission Nation Network. You thought I was going to say it was somebody else. But you know, this is what it really is. CNN, the Commission Nation Network. The best radio podcast from Como to the Congo. From Como to the Congo. If you're in Fort Worth, Texas, you know where Como's at. If you're part of the world, you should know where the Congo's at. If not, you better ask somebody. You know, uh, FBRN.us, that's where you can uh, listen to this show. And you also can listen to it on Apple and Spotify. Now go ahead and subscribe to those channels and get your daily digital download, 3D, 3D, Dallas, triple D, 3D. Uh, look, at, uh, look for us on Facebook. We're downloading on Facebook. We also download it on YouTube. You can follow us on YouTube, uh, the Commission Radio Show, Ed Gray. Follow us there and also on Roku. We're all over, all over. We're all over the Metroplex as well. Just drove back. Still got my pass on. Still have my pass on that says VIP access. Uh, we uh, uh, just finished being on uh, uh, on stage. Just got off stage uh, with King Hollis and Lindell Singleton. And also Reverend Carl Porter, who's part of this documentary regarding uh, uh, The Hill. It's called Echoes from the Hill. And I'll hold this up in a minute. Uh, I just want to go ahead and send a shout-out to those people in the documentary. Lindell Singleton uh, got me involved in that. He is one of the, uh, well, he's one of the uh, producers. He He's produced and written, written it as well, Lindell Singleton. Uh, so uh, it was presented by the Arlington MLK Junior Celebration Committee. And in it, we have Reverend Carl Porter, Bertha Jones, Douglas Taylor, Margaret Taylor, Beverly Jackson, Bob Ray Sanders, and Dr. Marvin Delaney, associate producers Geraldine uh, Mills, and Anthony Cisneros, and Shirley Adams, executive producers Lisa Thompson, Jennifer Weichman, and Lemuel Randolph. And again, uh, it, the series produced and directed by Lindell Singleton and King Hollis. So. We were with them uh, uh, for the last couple of days. There you go. That's it right there. This was autographed. Elsie Odom, all these folks autographed this. So I had the opportunity to speak on it and uh, on, was on stage with it and working with those uh, people regarding that. Uh, let's, uh, we got Angelo on controls today. Angelo, uh, do you uh, happen to have the Echoes from the Hill drop? Do you happen to have that? And if he has that, we can play that now. Otherwise, now we can roll on to the other news that we want to talk about. He's frowning up. That means he doesn't have it. So that being said, what we're going to go ahead and do is talk about other things as well. And if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, you've been uh, tuned to the TV just like mm -hmm. I've been tuned to the TV uh, regarding uh, Tyree Nichols. And uh, Tyree Nichols was uh, brutalized by the Memphis Police Department. And, uh, you know, we are always saying that uh, I can't believe this is happening. 
because what inserted you? I can't believe this is happening because it's 2023. Last year we said something was bad. We said, we, I can't believe this is happening. It's 2022. The year before that we said, I can't believe it's happening. It's 2021. On and on and on and on and on to the break of dawn. We've been saying, I can't believe this is happening. So earlier in our production meeting, and we just had some technical difficulties on the Echoes from the Hill, so we'll get back to that. We'll close out with that. But we want to go ahead and talk to you about what's been happening with Tyree Nichols. Now, the sad thing about that, and I just want to talk to you for a minute. The sad thing about that is we, I want, wait, hold on a second. Anyone that's listening is not black, you, this is not something you should leave the room for. Okay, this is me talking to fam, family. Okay. We as black people always say, the police are doing this to us, the police are doing this to us, the police are doing this to us. Oh, it's racism, it's racism, the police are doing. No, some cases it's racism, but very seldom do you see somebody doing something that's racist where they actually say it, I don't like black people, I'm getting ready to kill some black people. No, that's when it's racism. Oppression is oppression, whether or not it's black oppression or white oppression. Or in this particular case, when we talk about back to blue, it's blue oppression. That's what this is about. We took some time out to go back in time to check out a couple of things that was happening. Now, it's been a, a whole bunch of shootings that have occurred and beatdowns that have occurred because Tyree Nichols wasn't shot. He was beat down. These things have been happening for years. And in some cases, it was an all-white beatdown as it was with Rodney King. Or it was a <laughs> interracial beatdown as occurred <laughs> with George Floyd. I know a lot of folks, you know, they, they talk about Derek Chauvin and everything. You say he did that, he did that, he did that. But do you know that every race was involved in the George Floyd murder? Yep. That Asian policeman that was there too. And they had a brother that was there, too. As a matter of fact, the brother had another brother, a real biological brother, who was on the other side protesting and was giving speeches about the beatdown that George Floyd and the murder that George Floyd, uh, well, the murder of George Floyd. And he was protesting his own brother. And with Freddie Gray, well, they, you know, that was the brother in, in Baltimore that they put him in a back of a police vehicle and tied him up and gave him what they call a rough ride. This rough ride is supposed to, you know, bang him up a little bad. Well, they banged him up a little bad where his spinal cord broke. The driver of the car, of the vehicle, was a black police officer. Nothing racial about that then, isn't it, folks? In Memphis, Tennessee, and we're getting ready to pull that driver. In Memphis, Tennessee, they uh, fired five men, five men, and I use men biologically speaking. They fired five men, and when they fired those five men, they put the screen up uh, of who these men were. Weren't they all black? 
They were all black. They were all black. And then when I saw the clips on the news, they indicated that they bleeped out some words. Now, the ass whooping that he took, because that's what that was, wasn't bad enough. The beating that he took, that's what that was, wasn't bad enough. So they X'd out some words. You know what the words were? It was the N-word. So, you know, that was so offensive that they didn't want you to hear that word. But this beat down wasn't so offensive that you couldn't see it. That's an oxymoron, a, co a contradiction of terms, if you ask me. So let's go ahead if you haven't seen it, let's go ahead, Angelo, and let's run that, that clip of Mr. Nichols. apparently is the most graphic and the most shocking to watch also again we want to give a warning there are likely lots of profanities this is from what we understand the sky cop cam video which is a poll cam looking down at the arrest and subsequent beatdown. this overhead camera here it's called sky cop and they're all around me oh and it looks like an officer here has a baton looks like they're holding him up Oh, man. The, the family described this video. They, they are literally holding him up. Oh. There's some violent punches being thrown. He, he's literally being held up and beaten with a baton and fists right to the face. I can count four officers on the scene right here. All right. Thanks for watching our YouTube channel. Follow today's top stories and breaking news by downloading the NBC News app. All right. Back again. And as you could see, he, the officer said there was abusive language that was used. And, you know, we, you know, all that kind of thing. You know, and this is, you know, the, the sad thing about that is that the beat down occurred. And I was like checking out what the reporter was saying because he was saying the word beat down. Now, those are words that, that you know, those are just words from, from, from my neighborhood, beat down. And they, they've crossed over it now into to what's being used to describe this. It's, it was a beat down. It was just truly a beat down that it occurred. So I want you guys to do something about this. In Memphis, Tennessee, you can Google Memphis, Tennessee. You can go ahead and and do what you have to do and send them the message. Right now, what I'm doing now is I am on uh, Twitter right now, uh, on Twitter, uh, sending them a message as well, indicating uh, well, indicating my displeasure of what had occurred. So we want you to continue to do that and uh, continue to. Uh, uh, protests. You know, protesting 
as Martin Luther King once said, he said that is the language of the dispossessed. And do I expect there'll be some type of riots that's coming out of that? I, I do expect there probably will be. And I'm not condoning any riots, but it should not be a surprise if it is. Because this is a case where people are protesting against official oppression. And sometimes things get out of hand. Now, I know someone said, man, you're just taking that kind of lightly. No, no, I'm just telling the way it is. I'm a historian, and historians always like to bring up old stuff. So let me bring up some old stuff. Uh, back in the, the 70s, no, not 1970, I'm going way back. Not 1870, I'm going way back, 1770s. I know, I know, it's old. Why are you bringing up something that happened in the 1770s? They taught us in school about the Boston Tea Party. Yeah, the Boston Tea Party. They taught us that, you know, the people got so upset because they put a tax on tea that people got so upset they rioted. And they did what? They threw tea off of some ships in Boston Harbor. Now, let's look at this today. If this was to occur today, that would be considered a riot. Would it not be? That meant some people dressed up as Indians, dressed up as Indians, went downtown to the Boston Wharf and got on a ship, several ships. That means they broke and entered and then destroyed property, which is the tea, and then dumped it, which means they polluted the harbor as well. That's kind of bad. I'm just saying that's what that is about. See, when we look at history, we have to look at history, the whole lens of history. I know this is a teaching lesson. That's what, you know, that's what I do. But, you know, this is what it's about. So if somebody rides, then nobody should say, as they always do, black people getting out of control again. Even though during the riots of George Floyd, it was black people and white people who were oppressed who said enough is enough? We also had the pandemic on that involved too. So people was like, you just had all this bent up emotion and it just exerted itself. Well, if you have this pent up and bent up emotion exerting itself, then, well, something bad could happen. Now, when I mentioned about Dr. Martin Luther King, you know, at the time of his death, you know, 50% of the country didn't believe that Dr. King was a peacemaker. Well, everyone believed he was a peacemaker on April 5th, 1968. Slowly it started changing. What happened on April 4th, 1968? He was assassinated. So April 5th, 1968, that slowly began a deal of appropriating the, the King dream into making it something else. Well, something else, as King said, he said that his dream had become a nightmare. And that's what it is in America today. Tyree Nichols, it's a nightmare. But it's a nightmare we've seen before. We're going to play a couple of drops and when we come back, we're going to do an intro to a nightmare that happened. Well, way back. I'm again, the story and again, way back. Can we all just get along? Way back. We're talking about King, right? No, not Martin Luther King, but Rodney King. Let's go ahead and play some drops, Angelo, and we'll be right back. Who was that masked man? You mean you don't know? That was no masked man. That was the commish. 
Saturdays from 5 to 6 p.m. on the Fishbowl Radio Network. Hello out there. My name is Byron Williams, former NFL player. I'm with the NFL Players Association. And when I'm not in the community, I'm listening to Mr. Ed Gray, the commish. attorney Kim T. Cole of K. Cole Law PLLC. When I'm not fighting for civil rights and social justice, I keep it locked to Ed Gray on the Commish Radio Show. This is Sheldon Smith, president of the National Black Police Association Dallas Chapter with my good friend Ed Gray on Commish Radio every Saturday. Tune in. Hey, you know, whenever I want good Cajun food, I go to Thibodeau's, located at 107 North Cedar Ridge in Duncanville, Texas. They're really hot, just like the Commission Radio Show in Thibodeau's. Hot is this gumbo. We will see you later at Thibodeau's. This is Sheldon Smith, president of the National Black Police Association Dallas Chapter, with my good friend Ed Gray on Commission Radio every Saturday. Tune in. All right, back again. Uh, you know, as you've been listening in to the show and everything, we've been doing this show and we've been, uh, well, you know, uh, talking off camera, offline, if you will, about how we were going to bring in the show because we're making this this show kind of interactive. So I'd like to thank those people who are listening in uh, with this show as well. Uh, we uh, did the uh, previous uh, uh, segment. When we did the previous segment, we had uh, Sergeant Sheldon Smith of the Black Police Association here in the, the well DFW area with the Dallas Police Department. A good guy, Sergeant Sheldon Smith. He's been on the show several times on this show and also uh, uh, my uh, sister's show, companion show on KHVN. KHVN is no longer here, but what we've been doing is we've been uh, having this uh, uh, friendship with Sheldon Smith and the Black Police Association mm -hmm. as well. And I, just because I, I talk about policemen, that don't mean I, I, I disrespect them. I just want uh, policemen to do right. And it's ironic we had that drop played and, and for this week because I, I didn't schedule that. Angelo was putting the drops in, and uh, he's been running around feverishly uh, for the last 10, 15 minutes. But uh, what we did occur on that, what we have occurred on that, was that when Sheldon Smith, Sergeant Sheldon Smith arrived here, we wanted to do that drop. And... Uh, well, we, we had several drops we did, and, and one we did by NWA. We had that one. Uh, I can't say the word, not in public, I can't. But that being said, that's what it is. So as we talk about Mr. Nichols, uh, again, I had the opportunity to uh, uh, be in Denton at the Denton Black Film Festival and uh, had the opportunity to spend the day uh, a couple of days up there at the festival, and at the one of the hotels, uh, one of the hotels uh, this morning, I had observed that they had the the uh, beat down of Mr. Nichols on the screen, and I and uh, two other individuals were 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 there. And we was looking at it, and 
you know, we observed it. But the two other individuals were black. I'm black. But everybody else was 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 white. And nobody took offense to that. Nobody even looked at it. Nobody even blinked an eye. And they showed it. I'm, I'm saying they more focused on uh, eggs and ham than anything else. Eggs and ham. They were more focused on it than anything else. And I was just, like, amazed at it. Uh, that that had occurred that people didn't think anything about Tyree Nichols other than the fact that it was played on TV and it was just in the background. It, it had no impact on them at all. So now what ends up happening if I was at uh, a black restaurant, if I was at a black restaurant, Everybody would have been tuned in and would have been looking at it and they would have been commenting on it. So that just goes to show what we have here in America. What we have is a division, if you will, of society in which some people view that and it's nothing other than just, well, it's just nothing. So that being said, that's what we have going on. We uh, we we're here to say that we have to do better, folks. And in doing better with this, we have to do better because we have to hold people accountable. And we haven't held people accountable for quite some time. For quite some time, we have not held people accountable. So in holding people accountable, we uh. We have to do more than just lip service, more than just lip service. And when we do that, we'll truly, truly win this battle. So this thought process that I have and this thought process that we have is that holding people accountable means you can't censor things from happening. And censoring things from happening is somewhat what's happening here. As we're looking at this occurrence, we notice that some people uh, have censored even this, this video from being seen. I've been informed by my folks at Facebook that it may be breaking community standards, that this is going on. Uh, that we don't want you to see this. We, it, it may be breaking community standards. Well, the community standards were already broken when Mr. Nichols was beat. And we are fighting more than a good fight. We're fighting more than a good fight on that because we are going to continue to use every platform possible, whether or not it's Facebook, whether or not it's YouTube, to get this done. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the subject. Let's go to a break. Are we breaking? 
tone. It just really, to me, just meant home. It was just a lot of love. We, I mean, we were happy people. We, there was so much love. A break. When we come back, we're going to hit the last part of, uh, of uh, the talk about the police. And we are breaking. We need to pause. So that's it. Who was that masked man? You mean you don't know? That was no masked man. That was the commish. Saturdays from 5 to 6 p.m. on the Fishbowl Radio Network. Hi, I'm Ed Bridges, CEO, founder of Wrong Way Driver Alert. And one thing that we know, when you need to go the right way, we always turn to Commission Radio. He never leads you in the wrong direction. So here at Highway Nation, we want to thank Mr. Ed Gray for taking us in the right direction. And visit us on Facebook, Highway Nation page, and give us a like. Hello out there. My name is Byron Williams, former NFL player. I'm with the NFL Players Association. And when I'm not in the community, I'm listening to Mr. Ed Gray, the commish. This is Bridget Whitmore, running for the 193rd Civil District Court. As a Dallas native, I want to bring balance and fairness to the 193rd and restore justice for my community. All right. We're running some of our old archives. That's Bridget Whitmore. Uh, Judge Bridget Whitmore now, that was, uh, well, we have lots of archives, so every once in a while we just like to hear the, uh, the archives here. So we are back again. We're going to go ahead and finish this on up uh, right now. And people are, are, are texting me about uh, the outrage, about what's going on. Uh, but right now where we're at is that we want to uh, have you uh, go back in time to the 1990s where uh, Rodney King, Rodney King, we saying King, we're talking about King, we want to establish that what's happening in America has always been an occurrence. And, and, and you know, we, we talk about uh, Black Lives Matter, but all of this oppression that's been happening in the United States regarding the police has been happening for years. And even before then, in 1965, with the Watts riots that occurred in 65, that's L.A. again, then we, we realized that, uh, well, Cali, 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 Cali. <laughs> Cali ain't where it's at when it comes to that. So let's go back in time and play the Rodney King drop, or the Rodney King uh, info. As a week of pretrial motions ended today in the case of the four Los Angeles policemen already indicted in the Rodney King beating, the county grand jury signaled that will be the extent of the criminal case. Seventeen other so-called police bystanders at the beating scene will not be indicted, a development noted with frustration by the Los Angeles County attorney whose office presented the evidence. Now, however morally wrong their failure to intercede, in California law there is no criminal statute under which these officers can be indicted. The inaction of the 17 officers may now be investigated by the U.S. Attorney's Office for possible civil rights violations.
but of greater concern, said the county attorney, are the results of interviews with some of the police bystanders. All right, back again. We see some similarities in that. I just wanted to run those similarities back. The similarity that we had with that is that uh, in that beatdown, Rodney King, there was a great number of policemen there for that one as well. And we have five policemen for Mr. Nichols for the Nichols beatdown, and it was about 30 other people that were there. They were just there on standby. Same thing. I'm just throwing a number out there. There was a great deal of people out there. Same thing with Rodney King. Same identical thing. Same identical thing. Four policemen were tried, and you just heard. (laughs) What's going on with that? A policeman has the moral authority, and also that's something they're supposed to do. They're supposed to, A, if another policeman's getting out of line, they're supposed to put him in check. But that don't happen because you're not back in the blue. That's not happening. So everybody got around these two gentlemen from back in the 90s and from back uh, earlier this month and, 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 and jacked them up with impunity. And then the ones that were there, what they did was they just watched, and as they watched, nothing happens to them. It's sort of like you watch somebody getting shot and killed, and you don't do anything about it. But these are the same people that if you live in one of the hoods, the neighborhoods where the crime rate's high, and they ask you, could you tell somebody something about what happened? You say, I don't know nothing because I live here. I don't know. I ain't seen nothing. They get mad at you because of that. Yeah, they get mad then because of that. But then when they do that about the shield, they, they, they lean on the shield. They protect the shield. They protect that. And that's, 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 that's what we're dealing with. That's what we're dealing with in this whole situation here. We're dealing with that. You know, if we condemn a gang for killing somebody, those people who are supposed to have more higher moral fiber and values should be condemned by allowing that to happen. And they allowed that to happen. And not only did they allow that to happen, they cheered it. They cheered it. And we're going to see a lot more in the upcoming weeks regarding Tyree Nichols. We're going to see that happening. Mr. Nichols and Mr. King, who's now passed away. But nothing changes, whether that's the 1990s or this 2023, nothing changes. It's like an echo, an echo in my ear. And, you know, we're going to play some more of our, uh, hey, I tell you what, uh, what I want to hear now is some uh, Howard Scott drops. I'm going to tell you which drops I want to hear. Some Howard Scott drops and also uh, with some Michael Todd drops. So Howard Scott, Michael Todd, and I want to go ahead and do a shameless plug for those individuals and play my Ed Gray drops and Thibodeaux. We Those are the drops I want to, want to play. So, and the reason why I want you to hear about these drops is because uh, economic success that I've talked about this past week when I visited the Hill, and I'll talk about that. We'll close out on that. I visited the Hill in Arlington, Texas. I also joined our credit union. The credit union is on the Hill, which is Mount Olive Baptist Church Credit Union. It's about black economic power. It's about black economic power. One of the things that Dr. King preached about 
before he was uh, shot and gunned down in Memphis, Tennessee, in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, was that black economic power must improve. So therefore, I wanted to make sure I distributed some money into a black-owned credit union. So I'm encouraging you, if they have a credit union at one of your churches that you attend, give them some money. I ain't asking you to give a whole lot of money. That's on you. But if you go ahead and give some money so they can say I have X amount of people that go ahead and, and are members of our credit union, that helps out. So we have that. So Thibodeau's falls right in line with that. Well, got an option. You know, where I'm going to spend my dough? I can spend it at Papa Do's or I can go to Thibodeau's. Gumbo, I like gumbo. I think I may go to Thibodeau's. So that's a plug for Thibodeau's. My, uh, well, my commercial for the week. Commercial for the week is about commerce. That's what the word commercial means. We're building up the black community, and that's what we're doing one dollar at a time. I got a song to sing. That's the song I'm going to sing. And speaking of songs to sing, there's a travesty of justice that's going on here in Dallas, Texas, in Fort Worth, Texas, in Arlington, Texas. And that travesty should, well, we need to rectify it in Cleveland, Ohio, in Cleveland, Ohio, because that's where the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is at. And Howard Scott should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, he's the guy, you know, who told us about, you know, how we needed to walk carefully because he was telling us we were slipping in the darkness. You know, and, and, you know, he's the guy who always told us we needed to be friends because he always asked the question, why can't we be friends? And the music that he plays is one of the intros to the Commission Radio Show because we all know that for you and for me, the world is a ghetto. Let's play some drops. Hi, this is Howard Scott from the Howard Scott Show. Coming to you from beautiful Arlington, Texas on Fishbowl Radio. You can catch me every Wednesday from 6 to 7. And we play all this war music. And you get to hear some of the songs that I wrote when I was in the band War. How I created the songs, the stories behind it. And we start off with the blues. You have a good time talking to me. So tune in every Wednesday from 6 to 7 and catch the Howard Scott Show. We're having a whole lot of fun on Fishbowl Radio. Jump in. My name is Gail Todd with Townview Realtors. If you find yourself in the market to buy, sell, lease, or maybe you want to be a part of this hot real estate market by investing, just give my team of professionals and I a call at 214-675-9572. Again, that's 214-675-9572. Or you can email me at gtodd88 at yahoo.com. With me, it's all about you. Hey, you know, whenever I want good Cajun food, I go to Thibodeau's, located at 107 North Cedar Ridge in Duncanville, Texas. They're really hot, just like the Commission Radio Show in Thibodeau's. Hot as this gumbo. We will see you later at Thibodeau's. All right, back again. I'm getting hungry for that Thibodeau's, you know, but, you know, one of the things that I've did this past week, uh, Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce, uh, they recently had their implosion, if you will, the demolition of their old building, which was located, it still is located, it was located, because it's no longer there, it's, it's, it's down now, 
located uh, on MLK. So I visited with them. You can go ahead and look at our interview with them uh, beginning on tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Tomorrow we will be playing that interview uh, regarding the African American Chamber of Commerce, African American Chamber of Commerce, Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce. Uh, so and also formerly the Negro Chamber of Commerce, I got all of the, the names in there because when it was first founded by uh, A. Maceo Smith and uh, Maynard Jackson, it was called the Dallas Negro Chamber of Commerce. Founded in 1926, they're about to celebrate their 100th birthday. So, was uh, was there in the neighborhood? Uh, interviewing the folks there and, you know, having a good time because that's what we're doing. This show right here, as you know, we're, we're consistently going around, you know, commission-like and everything, uh, you know, talking to the people and making sure the the people uh, understand what's going on in the community. We want you to continue to to subscribe to the channels. Uh, we have several channels that we've, we have uh, developed. With the different formats, it's the Ed Gray Historical page, which is on Facebook. If you're into history, which clearly I am, go ahead and look at that. Uh, one of the things is downloaded or will be downloaded in the Dallas, the uh, daily uh, digital download, Triple D in Dallas. The digital download will include my tour of a cemetery that I lived about, I would say about, wow, maybe 150 yards from, if that. I mean, why would I live near a cemetery? Well, I didn't know the cemetery was there until I, I uh, looked out my window and saw the cemetery. And why would we move to a cemetery? Well, that's because it was the site of the Overton Plantation Cemetery. Yeah, Overton Plantation Cemetery. Southern Oaks Apartments was located uh, on the cemetery, well, near the cemetery grounds, on the Overton Plantation. See, I got to go back to the plantation, I guess, because that's what I did this past week. That's what I did this past week. But listen here, I want to talk to you. One last minute before we go. One last minute before we go. I moved my family to Arlington, Texas, and ran for a public office in Arlington. I ran for a school board. Didn't win. But I met a lot of great people in Arlington, and one of the things I – I remember in Arlington was they talked about the hill located uh, near Mount Olive Baptist Church, which is located. Mount Olive Baptist Church is located on the hill. It's a black section of town. Well, back in the day it was. But now the community is pretty well gone, and if you go there, you'll see a lot of historical markers of what once, what once stood there. Well, Lindell Singleton and King Hollis, uh, two movie producers, directors, and documentarians, did a documentary on the Hill. And we have that, and we, I think we have that in queue now. We had the, the gremlins earlier that they were messing with that queue. And we've been having a lot of things happen today that shouldn't have happened. And among the things that have happened today, Facebook, if I'm, I'm, from what I understood, they tried to pull off the uh, Tyree Nichols beatdown. Yeah, they tried to pull that one off because they said that that was like violating community standards, so pretty close to it, they said. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of borderline. It's kind of borderline. You know, it's on the news, but it's borderline. It's on ABC, but it's borderline. It's on NBC, but it's borderline. You get the point. 
if it was a beatdown of me and somebody else in South Dallas, that would meet community standards. That would be on there. That would be on there. But because this is a show in which we are getting information out like this, they want to slam that back on us. I don't care. That just makes me stronger because that lets me know it's getting under their skin. I don't care. I'm good with that. So as we go to a close, Echoes from the Hill. As I stated before, the daily digital download is on YouTube. Ed Gray, the Commission Radio on YouTube. Go ahead and subscribe to that. And, oh, while you're on YouTube, Go ahead and, and look up Echoes from the Hill. But I got a sneak preview for you right now. Angelo, let's go with Echoes from the Hill. Home. It just really, to me, just meant home. It's just a lot of love. We, I mean, we were happy people. We, there was so much love. The Hill was a, a family-type community. Um, everyone knew everyone. Uh, everybody helped take care of all the kids. Uh, you had respect for all your elders. You were just taught how to play. Uh, how to mix with all of the black families that were there in Arlington there on the hill. To me it's where I was raised and taught to be very respectful and to really um, appreciate the elderly people. We were a community that really really believed in helping each other and that we looked out for each other uh, you were told as a child where to go and where not to go. Um, you went to a store, well, you knew to take people with you. Uh, if you were going out of your neighborhood, you just didn't go wherever you wanted to go. You made sure you were with someone, or you always told your parents where you were going. And at night, you made sure you were at home before the streetlights came on. here with a couple of uh, folks who grew up in the hill. Um, this is, I think, our seventh interview in the past two weeks, and we're collecting stories and collecting documents. I think trying to do our history at this time in life, I think is great. A lot of our young people really don't understand where we come from. And um, for us, or our parents have gone through some of the things that they did go through for us to be able to get where we are today. It's very encouraging that they're taking the time to get to know about the black neighborhoods, uh, African-American neighborhoods in, in Arlington because we've been here a long time and, um, and really there's nothing ever been said about what we contributed to Arlington. Yeah. 
All right, back again. That was Echoes from the Hill. I'm looking uh, at the, uh, well, I'm looking at the uh, poster. It's a great poster. I appreciate the opportunity to work with King Hollis and also uh, Lindell Singleton for uh, the opportunity to, to speak on this documentary. I've worked on a couple of documentaries before with King Hollis and uh, tremendous talent and Lindell Singleton. I'm working with some more documentaries uh, regarding Dallas history as well. That's one of the things I talked about before that I said I was going to be transitioning this uh, radio podcast or something else. And this is this is part of that transition is historical activism in which the message is clearly sent uh, out in which we want to go ahead and do. We want to encourage you uh, to uh, follow us on all of the various platforms and also uh, to uh, uh, donate uh, to the Cash App. Uh, it's uh, Gray Vision 2020. It's right above us, right above our head, so we can continue to put this content out. Uh, we're putting out serious content, folks. This is like Channel 13 for our people. You know, I'm like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm like, you know, Skip Gates, but I'm a poor man, Skip Gates. Skip Gates can get Harvard to give him money for that kind of thing. I have to rely upon cash app. So that's what this is about. So this is what it's about as well. So I want to uh, thank again uh, uh, King Hollis and Lindell Singleton uh, and, and the fine folks at the Didn't Black Film Festival as well great great opportunity to meet some great people over there and also to give you a heads up about some more things that'll be occurring uh in, in what i'll be doing uh february 9th at smu uh, february 9th at smu the hunt institute uh, i will be there talking about environmental justice in communities of color and that's what my dissertation is involved in in communities of color and environmental justice I'll give you just a sneak preview of things I will be speaking of very briefly. I will be speaking about Cadillac Heights. Cadillac Heights is located on a river plain, was located on a river plain, Trinity River Plain. It's no longer there now because of the lead poisoning. A whole community was wiped out, wiped out because of lead poisoning. I will also be getting the lead out as well in West Dallas as the lead out. Or is it still there? Are remnants of it still there in West Dallas? I will be speaking uh, with folks in West Dallas regarding West Dallas. I'll be speaking about that. And also Shingle Mountain, which is also located in Floral Farms. It was a, uh, well, it was an area in which black people in 1950 settled because, uh, well, they were, you know, cowboys. So they sort of was chilling out doing their thing. But they moved all of these shingles and also a landfill over there. So now the air that they're breathing is it's messing with their health. So those are the things I'll be talking about in at SMU on February 9th. Can environmental justice go black stream mainstream? That's it. That's what we're going to be talking about. And February being Black History Month, I know I will be busy uh, doing a lot of things. So that's all I have for you this week. And I will close out by telling you to uh, be strong and continue to stay in the faith because we're going to get through this together because, hey, though we may not have arrived in America, 
on the same ship. <laughs> we all in the same boat now. So, hey, thank you again, and we will see you back later with the Commish Radio Show. Take care. Hey, how you doing? This is Ed Gray of the Commission Radio Show. Stay tuned and tune in and be up to speed on everything in social justice, human rights, and politics on the Commission Radio Show, airing every Saturday, 5 p.m. on the Fishbowl Radio Network. Jump in. Who was that masked man? You mean you don't know? That was no masked man. That was the Commission. Saturdays from 5 to 6 p.m. on the Fishbowl Radio Network.
Now my love has gained its fame, yeah. Pretty soon you're gonna pay